Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joel. If you guys haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up. And make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. Storo podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob. And you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Anthony. And more to go, y'all. We got Kevin. What's good? And then we got Kaylee making her big return. Hi, guys. And last but not least, one of the newest members of Heat vs. the World, Heat Muse. What's up, everyone? You know, appreciate you guys letting me on the show. So just wanted to say that. Our pleasure. So to begin today's episode, let's talk about this win for Miami as the Heat get their second win of their series against Philly, winning by 16. Leading the way for Miami, you got Bam Adebayo with 23 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. Jimmy Butler with 22 points, 12 assists, and 6 rebounds. Victor Oladipo with 19 points, 3 triples, and 6 rebounds of his own. And Tyler Hero with 18 points, 3 triples, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists. When looking back at this game, what are some takeaways that y'all have for this win? Start us off, Anthony. Well, you mentioned, you know, all the heat stats there. And, of course, everybody played really well. We've been seeing that all playoffs. We've spent, you know, countless time just talking about the defense of this team and the cohesion and the offense, the ball movement. Everything's been pretty perfect so far. And, obviously, they kept that up in yesterday's game. So what I want to focus on is Philadelphia. Because we hear all their fans complaining about Joel and B being gone and how hard it is to win without your best player. Well, guess what? That's what Miami's been doing all year. So when I talk about Philly, I want to focus on what I'm calling BOP, which is Bums of Philly. That's what it stands for. The first BOP is DeAndre Jordan, who's terrible. He gave up 9 of 10 to Bam so far. Like, Bam had 10 attempts on DeAndre Jordan. He's made 9 of them. He's slower than Kelly Olenek was here. He has fraudulent all-defensive teams. And he's a minus 31 in 30 minutes this series. So he's bum number one for Philadelphia. The second bum is Doc Rivers, who is the most overrated coach of all time and continues playing DeAndre Jordan for what reason, I honestly don't know. And then the third one, I just want to give a shout out to Danny Green, who shot one of 10 yesterday. And believe it or not, obviously, there was a period of time that man used to give some Heat fans some uh, some PTSD. But it's very clear how washed up he is now. He even missed a dunk had James Harden mad at him. So that's kind of all I want to say. I don't know why I'm so salty after the win. I'm just I'm very annoyed of that team and, and everything going on. But I'm chilling because we win. So it's all good. 
right and like you ain't got to do deandre jordan like that like sheesh like you already got all the twitter calling that man a bum and you just out here exposing him like that but uh kevin how about you yeah man i thought it was just another complete team performance by the heat you know hit some big time shots i want to give a big shout out to max Struess for this knocking down his shots um tyler hero's been playing phenomenal you know obviously he didn't play that well in the first round versus atlanta but He's definitely bounced back and starting to get his swagger back. Of course, he just won six man of the year. Um, so, you know, he's doing his thing. Jimmy Butler, again, I can't say enough about him. Like, even though, like, he had a quiet, what, 22 in this game. But, like, the way that he was just playmaking and getting everybody their touches, like, he had that big-time pass off the offensive rebound to Dwayne Dedman, that kick out to Oladipo, like, little things like that just helping us win, man. And, again, Oladipo, like, it feels like every time Depot steps on the floor, like good things just automatically happen, man. His defense is still on point. Offensively, you can tell that he's getting back into his rhythm and he's finding himself, man. It's really beautiful to see. And I, I love, you know, what Bam has been doing. He's been taking advantage of a mismatch. You know, Anthony already mentioned it, but like, you know, DeAndre Jordan is a weak link. You know, Paul Reed ain't doing nothing. So like you want Bam to get as much confidence and as much buckets as he possibly can. So I loved it. Um, the defensive effort was there. I would like to see us try and slow down Tyrese Max a little bit more because that man is hooping and he's been hooping. But, I mean, he's the good. There's no denying that. Um, so you got to give him his credit because he damn near, you know, single-handedly kept him in the game by himself. But aside from that, man, it was a well-executed game plan. You know, P.J. Tucker's been doing his thing defensively on James Harden. You can tell he's been taking that matchup personally. And, again, it's just a complete team effort, man. So I'm liking what I've seen from the Heat, just everybody being selfish and, and starring in their role. Right. And what's on your mind, Kaylee? Um, a lot to my mind, but I feel like overall, um, the unfortunate thing with the Sixers, it's almost kind of like, um, I always go back to the same note in my head that it's kind of like the Heat are not even playing Duncan Robinson. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you're, you're getting like the Sixers are getting exasperated and fully exhausted with, um, I think, I think it was Josh who tweeted about like kind of degrading Gabe Vincent and Max and stuff like that. And it's kind of like, yeah, like they're playing, they're out playing of like a actual starter team besides Embiid with the Sixers and you guys are being exhausted. So it's kind of like, um, and also just, again, thinking about how Duncan's like just sitting on the bench, just not playing, uh, and also having Victor Oladipo like really perform beautifully. And um, overall, I feel like the game was kind of like, it just shows how much, again, depth is amazing on the heat. And um, I think another note that I liked watching in last night's game as well is the the really cool, fun shots like the that they're taking that it's like humongous fadeaways, full-blown falling, um, the whole like hitting on the head with the pass from, uh, what's it called, Tyler. All that was really fun. It was like it was turning into more fun basketball than kind of like anxiety ridden basketball, if that makes sense. But yeah, overall, like I just like the confident vibe. And as long as like keeps rolling, I'm gonna have a good time watching regardless. Cause I just like good basketball, you know? Right. And like just a quick thing to bring up that I brought up in the last pod. The Heat have nine undrafted players, guys. Like we're doing that, and I don't care if Joel Embiid is out. Like, we didn't need a process to get those nine undrafted players, okay? We just simply got them off the street, and now they're just hooping for us. And that's really all it is to it. And we don't refer it to as a process or anything. And the heat muse, what's on your mind? Yeah, I just wanted to say um, I understand that Embiid, you know, if I heard he's not coming back game three, so 
you know, that's a tough, a tough, you know, blow right there. But I understand he's like an MVP player and he was my MVP. I'll be honest with you. But the bench is probably the biggest, you know, difference here. You got Seibel. I, I noticed that Spo started using a lot of zone last game. And he started using zone when Seibel was in the game. And that's because Seibel, he has, he reminds me of like an Andre Robertson. If you guys remember who he was, he was, you know, a great defender, but he had absolutely nothing on the offensive end. And that's who Seibel really reminds me of. And every time they go on zone, they leave Seibel open in the corner. I think when he shot like three attempts for the first two games, he, he looked scared to shoot a ball. I mean, you're a basketball player, my boy. But um, yeah, I started seeing Spo, you know, use that zone a lot more. And I remember Doc Rivers started using that zone in the first game, but I feel like he noticed that, you know, Spo mastermind, he found out how to punch right through that zone. He just said, I, right, we can't use that zone no more. You know, he's going to stick to man to man. So I feel like the bench right now is probably the biggest difference maker. Even if Embiid comes, what can it be do to help that bench out? They can't shoot. They're not really good at defending. I mean, Paul Reed comes in, gets a quick three fouls. I, George Niang fouled out in 10 minutes. That's ridiculous. So, that, that's probably my biggest thing in this series, even if MB does come back, if he can, which I do wish he does come back, just so we could shut the Philly fans up because they do talk a lot of smack and, and they just be talking out of their butt. So I don't know. I just I just see MB can't really do nothing with that bench. It, nothing he could really do other than make them more wide open and they're not hitting their shots anyways. They are open. So that's probably my biggest take on the first two games. Right. And like, you know, a good point that people were bringing up is that the Heat got Tyler Hero and the two-time All-Star Victor Oladipo coming off the bench. Now, I just want to say, because we are going to give Victor some praise in this pod, but I just got to say, though, like some of y'all out there was dissing my guy Victor, talking about, oh, he only averaging five points, and this is the guy that Heat fans were hyping him up to be. Like, y'all really... Are y'all really be trying because the dude was coming back from a major injury and just because he wasn't putting Wilt Chamberlain numbers in his what first two or three games y'all gave up on him like that I'm just saying because and I get that Clay Thompson obviously you know it's not like Victor Oladipo like those are two completely different players but you know when Clay Thompson came back everyone was patient with the guy you know, now I know there's some disrespect going towards him because he is struggling in this Grizzlies series a bit. But still, like, a lot of people were patient with my guy. On the other hand, you got a dude like Vic, who had 19 points last night, who was coming off of not one, but two major injuries. Like, y'all got to show some respect to my guy, okay? And, like, and honestly, I'm just happy for him because he's getting important minutes right now, and he's two wins away from going to his first conference finals ever. And, you know, not only tied on to that, but then you got guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Drews who've also been hooping, two guys that were also undrafted. It's just such a great thing to see. And it just shows that the Heat culture is real. Like, people want to make fun of it, especially when Heat fans bring it up on social media. But it's a real thing. And y'all see that. Y'all have seen it in the regular season, but you choose to ignore it. And when we post that out in the on a postseason, no one still wants to acknowledge it. But it is what it is. Everyone's going to get their fair dose of the heat culture very soon. Anyways, that's all I got to say about the game. And um, next up, you know, it's a great thing that I brought up Victor and all that because the way how his game has improved since making his playoff debut in game four of round one was 
it was just amazing. Like, oh, okay, he didn't have the best performance, but he had an impact on the floor. He had a high plus minus and everything, and he was playing amazing defense. And we're continuing to see him blossom into the guy that he once was when he was in Indiana. So when thinking about it, like, what impresses you guys the most when looking back at Victor's playoff performance so far? You're up first, Kevin. Yeah, man. Um, I talked about it, like, probably a month ago, like, going into the playoffs. Like, the thing that Victor does better than anybody on this roster is he's able to get to the rack consistently off the dribble. Like I mentioned, you know, Bam, he's going to try and bully his way there. Jimmy, same thing. You know, Tyler, he's not that strong yet. We all know he can be loose with his handle. His handle needs to get better, so he doesn't really have that ability right now. That's why he settles for a lot of jumpers. But Vic can get to the rim, man. And He's a hell of a passer, and again, he's still a hell of a defense, defensive player, too. So, like, when you put all that together, it's like he's the perfect fit for this team. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I know we're going to get to Gabe Vincent, but just, like, he just does everything that you want out of, you know, your your point guard or your backup point guard, whatever you want to call him as. You know what I'm saying? And really, like, right now he's playing backup shooting guard, I guess. But, like, it, again, just that ability to consistently get to the rim, it keeps the defense on their heels, and it keeps the defense guessing and it keeps the defense rotating. And literally, just off that, you know, it, it literally helps everyone else get get more room on the court to get shots. And so that's why I've always loved Vic. I always knew that he would be fine. And, you know, Joel, you, you brought up Klay Thompson. Like, I, I kind of compare it to, like, DeMarcus Cousins because, like, to me, you know, a lot of people kind of counted out both these guys. But for me, I always believed in them because skill outweighs everything. Even though they did have two major injuries, you know, science and medical is, is different nowadays. It's way more advanced and it's easier, you know, to heal up. And when you look at those two guys, they're super skilled. You know what I'm saying? DeMarcus Cousins played really well, even though, you know, they lost in five games. He played really well in that series versus the Warriors. And Vic is doing the same thing in these playoffs. And that's why I always have faith in him, just because he's a grinder and he works hard. I've been watching him since he was at Indiana, you know, all the way up through his NBA career through, you know, Orlando, OKC, you know, Indiana, like, He's just that good, man, and it really that simple. Like, when you have a shot creator like that, a playmaker like that, and a defensive player all in one, it's the ultimate luxury. And that's why I'm glad that he kept them and had faith in them and didn't give up on them, and now it's paying off in dividends. So shout out to Vic for, you know, staying with it and not giving up when he easily could have. Right, and, you know, I'm just rooting for the guy to succeed, you know. Like, whenever he has the ball, I just want him to score. Like, when he passes it, like, I understand why he would, but at the same time, it's like, man, I want you to take that shot, you know, get some more buckets out there. But, you know, you know, you got to respect Vic for also being a um, facilitator as well. And, like, Kaylee, how about you? Um, I, I think it's funny how much, like, people, like, like the whole, the whole family has been talking about, like, the return of Victor Oladipo. Like, he's going to return, like, in the playoffs. It's going to be amazing. And I feel like, He's doing just that. He's doing what everyone has like predicted he would um, provide for the Heat, especially at this current state with having like Kyle out and like having to like rotate between different players. He's filling the role that I feel like everyone expected him to like fulfill and also kind of um, in a way also kind of like going ahead of the expectations as well sometimes because even then like again it wasn't it was a crazy injury he had a really really long process of really like easing into going back into fully playing and I feel like he's doing I feel more than I feel like I could have asked he's doing amazing and even though yeah I feel like it'd be kind of fun to see him do like some more cool shots like I feel like once he gets a little bit more confident like say with, with Tyler had a little bit of a hiccup of like 
finding his footing again in each series. And I feel like now like he's finding his footing. And once he finds it, it'll be like golden, you know? Right. And uh, let's see, Heat Muse. Um, yeah, what I want to say about Vic is um, I think Kevin, you know, hit it spot on about the whole get into the paint. I'm pretty sure he leads the he in the most paint touches and drives other than Bam, obviously, but Bam is the center. So he's obviously in the post all the time. But another thing I, I really want to see with Vic, you know, for the next step, I understand that he just came in. He's, you know, he's still getting his feet wet. Um, another thing I would like to see is him and Jimmy work more together. Cause I've noticed, I've seen something on Twitter. I wish I could find it, but I can't find it. It's uh, the uh, plus and um, minus of him and Jimmy on the court together. is like a negative 12.5. And I understand why it would be because both those players need their hands. Oh, and I seen another one with him and Hero. It's like a negative thirty something. And I understand because, like I said, they both need their ball, um, balls in their hand. So I know Spo goes there, and you know Jimmy's in, Vic is out, Vic is in, Jimmy's out. But I just like to see them work more together on the court together. But other than that, I mean, Vic, Vic's been doing everything. His burst hasn't. It's not gone. He's still blowing by all the defenders. His defense is still probably one of the best on the team. Um, James Harden can't even get by him. And when he does get by him, it's some flagrant, I mean, some some phantom foul. You know, a foul I don't even see. I don't know how these refs are calling it like that, but it is what it is. But, yeah, Vic, Vic I mean, his his spot-up jumper is, is on point as well. He went three for four last game, two from the corner, one from the wing. So, yeah, Vic, Vic's doing everything. He, he's getting his feet wet. He's getting more comfortable with the system. You know, at Miami, that system is very hard to get comfortable with because Spo is more of a you do your role and that's your role. And, you know, some players kind of have to adjust to, you know, being that type of player because Vic was an all-star in Indiana. He had the ball in his hands a lot. His usage percentage was was really up there. And the same even in um, OKC, you know, when Russell Westbrook was out, Vic would run that second unit and there was no Tyler Hero on that floor. And it was uh, Andre Robinson, you know, someone that can't do anything on offense. And it was uh, Mike Muscala, someone that can't do anything, you know. So it would be just Vic with the ball in his hands. So I just feel like he just needs to get his feet a little wet. But he has really impressed me. Um, I think he's doing better than what I expected. I did not expect this from Victor. I'm not saying I didn't think he was going to be bad or anything. But I just didn't think he would come out doing 19-point games, 40-point games, 23-point games like that. So shout-out, Victor. And it was on his birthday, too. So happy birthday to Victor. If he's listening, I hope he's listening. But happy birthday, Victor. You know, you did your thing on your birthday. So shout out him. Right. And, you know, I just want to bring up one thing real quick before we hand the mic to Anthony. You know, one thing that touches me a lot is the fact that this wasn't an easy road for Victor when you look at the recovery and everything. Because when when it seemed clear that he wasn't going to return until March, I was a little worried about that because it's like so late in the season. The playoffs are about a month away. Like, would he be able to adapt to a team that's still kind of new to him? Because, you know, before that injury, he only played four games. And, you know, it wasn't easy at first because, as we all know, he was eventually taken out of the rotation. And, you know, it's tough because you look at Victor's journey and everything. So to see him go out and, you know, finally get playoff minutes, have that game five against Atlanta, and then have a great game last night against Philly, it's just continuing to be inspiring. And then that moment with him and D-Wade, like, you just love to see stuff like that. And, like, Anthony, like, how about you? 
Well, first, I just want to shout out Heat Muse for already referencing Andre Roberson twice. That's a name I forgot about. Uh, he definitely had no offense except that very rare occasional three, which I felt like he always hit at least one against the Heat. That always used to annoy me whenever him or Josh Smith hit a three. But anyways, Heat Muse also uh, also brought up a good point about the plus minus with both Jimmy and Depot on the court together. That's something that doesn't necessarily surprise me because that that kind of chemistry is something I think they need to continue to work on. We saw in game one versus Philadelphia, there was several possessions that led with the Jimmy drive and kick out to Depot for three, which if it's anybody else, you know, obviously that's a great look, but you'd rather see Depot attacking the basket like Kevin was saying. But in game one, he didn't hit them. He was 0 for 5. But in game two, he shot great. He was 3 or 4 from 3. So that's something that he can, you know, keep, continue doing relatively decent, then that'll be awesome as a spot-up shooter, especially since some people would argue, well, you'd rather Duncan get those shots. Well, one, Duncan really hasn't been hitting those shots this playoffs other than game one versus Atlanta. And two, even if Depot's not hitting shots, you're always getting that defense that, that he brings to the table. And that helps hide, you know, Tyler, who's a subpar defender, because even when guys are blowing past Tyler, you always have someone else that is quick enough to rotate and pick a ball. This defense has been amazing. I'm really curious to see how Spolstra plays the whole Lowry thing. When Lowry comes back, uh, Caleb Martin's only been getting around 15 minutes a game. I'm assuming most of those are going to diminish, but that still obviously doesn't make up enough points for Lowry. So I'm curious to see where Depot's minutes goes when we get fully healthy again. But yeah, he's played great. Can't ask for anything more. Right. You know, and, you know, that's a good point you brought up, you know, once Kyle comes back. And something that I've said in multiple pods in the past is that these type of situations are a great situation to be in if you're the Heat. You know, having all these weapons on one team. Because when you have a coach that knows so much about the game, like Eric Spolstra, you know, you're, he, he's, like a, he's like one of the best coaches you could ask for. So when you give him all these weapons, he's going to come up with all types of ways to utilize them and to make the other team suffer. So overall, you know, even when Kyle comes back, we don't know exactly how the rotation will look like will get what minutes but it's going to be something fun to see because let's see he does he says I think he said something about not being like a chess master or whatever but come on now when you see this man work in a basketball game and you see him putting certain lineups out there like this dude is just an absolute mastermind and I just can't wait to see him get to work once Kyle comes back too you know once we get that full healthy squad you know, but while we can rave about Victor all day, it's time to move on to another player that deserves some praise as well. And that guy is Gabe Vincent, because as the records show this year, he's actually been the random 76ers killer for Miami. And if y'all don't believe me, the Heat are currently 4-2 against Philly this season, if you count the regular season and playoffs. And Gabe, he played in all four of those wins, and he sat out those two losses we got. And it should also be noted that even though Miami has missed Kyle Lowry, that he has not lost the game with Gabe Vincent being the starter. So with all this being said, how pleased have you guys been with Gabe Vincent stepping up? Give us your thoughts, Muse. Um, Gabe, Gabe has been absolutely huge. Um, he's not, you know, he's not Kyle Lowry, so I can't really, you know compare him with Kyle Lowry but he's doing a lot of things that Kyle Lowry would do he's slowing down the offense he's hitting timely shots I think last game he had a couple big threes when the momentum was shifting to the Sixers he's hitting his mid-range jumpers he, he has that pick and roll and pack with Bam um you know setting up lobs and stuff I mean his defense is 
is really good. I honestly, I didn't think his before the season even started. I didn't think his defense was was as good as it would be right now. You know, he reminds me kind of like a a Patrick Beverly, not really Patrick Beverly because he's obviously better than Patrick Beverly. But like his defense is annoying. You know, guards he probably gets under his skin. He he's all up on you from the full court, um, all the way down to the shot clock is shot clock is on. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, no, Gabe, Gabe, Gabe has been huge. Um, he also gets to the paint. You know, it's kind of underrated how good he can get into the paint. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, like Gabe, Gabe, Gabe. Shout out Gabe, cause honestly, before the season, I, I didn't think he was gonna be that big of a you know role player for us. I just thought he was still you know a little immature in his game, cause I remember when he was in Santa Barbara, he was just a straight up shooting guard. You know, just take up shots. He didn't have none of that passing in him. But now Gabe is like averaging four assists which is good for a backup point guard. Like we said, he's not a Kyle Lowry. He's not a veteran. He doesn't know really the defensive schemes yet, but he, he's doing his thing out there. And, I, you know, shout out Gabe because I, I really appreciate what he's doing for this Miami Heat team. Right. And, you know, a big shout out to Kyle Lowry too because you can make an argument that this is all because of that Kyle Lowry effect, you know, the helping develop guys like Gabe, guys like Tyler into being those elite playmakers that he is. So, Major shout out to him and Kevin. What's on your mind? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the whole team actually because I feel like they've given Gabe a lot of confidence and stayed the course with him. Because again, I always go back to last year, man. Like he was just struggling with his shot. He did everything else well, but his shot was just not where we needed it to be. But you know, it's come full circle. He's putting a lot of work. You know, he stayed the course. You know, being in and out the lineups. You know, playing sometimes, not playing sometimes, and just to see him on this stage where he's actually getting real you know, playoff experience and actually just looking like a comfortable starting point guard. It's actually crazy because I never would have expected it. You know, it's, it's really unbelievable. It's a, it's a testament to how that he developed their players. And he's been the perfect point guard to just step in in this situation. Like, I don't think you could ask for a better, you know, player. Like, obviously, like, it's better players than Gabe Vincent out there. But, like, just the fact that he limits his turnovers, he's kind of like, you know, a leader on the floor. You know, he gets everybody their shots in the right spots. You know, he's super unselfish. He only looks for a shot when he knows he absolutely has to look for a shot. He never forces anything. He hustles his butt off. You know, he's picking up 94 feet. Like, he literally is the perfect guard for this situation. And I've I loved and enjoyed every second of it. Um, he's put his, you know, blood, sweat, and tears out there. And I, I'm happy for him, man. Really, I, I really am. Because, again, like, he just stayed the course. And that's all you really have to do, man. You just got to stay the course. And Gabe has definitely done that. And he's been a huge you know, X factor for us. A lot of people don't really give him his credit on God. You know, we have this topic to give him his flowers and his credit because he deserves it, man. And he's, you know, he's been really good, man. So I'm happy for him. And he's just been playing the right way, man. He, he's what Eric Spolster wants out of a point guard. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's just the best thing in the best case scenario for the Heat, man. So shout out to Gabe Vincent, man, because he's been holding it down in the absence of Kyle Lowry. I agree, you know. And, and another thing is he's one of those nine undrafted players. So, you know, just a huge shout out to that heat development system because they really know what they're doing. And Anthony, how about you? Well, I've said this a bunch of times already. When the offseason comes, I already said I'm going to have to make a Gabe Vincent apology video and post it on my YouTube because after last year, I really had a lot of disdain for the man. I'll just leave it at that. I said he was basically someone who tried a lot of hard or he, he's someone who tried very hard and really had no other skill besides that. 
but the improvement from last year to this year has just been otherworldly. Kevin already mentioned the shooting, which I was going to bring up. Heat News mentioned the pick and roll play. I think the second play of game one was a lob to Bam that he threw down. So the playmaking has been super improved. I mean, everything's been pretty, uh, pretty much covered as far as me. I just want to say, in my opinion, he's been the fourth most important player this playoffs for the Heat. I probably would go Jimmy, Bam, PJ, and then I'd go Gabe Vincent. Uh, he, he's been solid enough on the offensive end and just being the primary defender with PJ on the other team's superstars. You can't understate enough how important he's been. Right. And Kaylee, how about you? I agree with what everyone's saying. It's pretty valid, like the development, the fact that he's able to feel as comfortable as a starter now for Lowry is is great, 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 great to see. Like it also makes like a really cool, different uh, dynamic to see. And I agree with um, whoever said the the slow pacing of the offense. I'm always obsessed with that whenever they actually like pace it and like calm down a little bit. Cause it obviously it's exciting to do like, you know, a super fast play, but I really enjoy the way he like really learned how to like pace a play and really like calculate really cool, different passes and stuff like that. Like it's, it's great to see. It's great to see someone grow and it's obviously I'm sure he's going to become like a favorite if he keeps doing this, like in this kind of uh, caliber of skill, you know? So yeah, definitely giving Gabe all the flowers. <laughs> right. And honestly, you know, I want also, I want to give a big shout out because I've already said so much about Gabe, but I also want to give a big shout out because, you know, we talked about the pace and everything like shout out to Dwayne Dedman because that man really did a whole heat check in the middle of the game, which was funny to see. Like this dude got a huge defensive stop on one end. And then this dude then went raced to the other side of the court and shot a pull up three. Like my guy was feeling it. And it was just such something so funny to look back at. And it also led to Rick Ross getting his first NBA rebound. So you know, that's something good to see from that we're still developing people because now we got Rick Ross who could be a backup center for us. So we can add on to that center rotation. And then let's see, like we've talked so much about that, that now it's time to talk about the heat muse stat of the game, which is presented by someone that's sitting in this uh, Zoom meeting slash podcast right now. And before we get into it, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter for Old Miami Heat stats. His handle is HeatMuse. Anyways, the Miami Heat have allowed teams to shoot 29% from the three-point line, which is the lowest percent allowed by any team in the playoffs right now. With all that being said, what do you guys make of the stat? Give us your thoughts, Kevin. Yeah, man, I just think... You know, matchup-wise, you know, I mean, and let's be honest, like, the way the league is now, like, you got to give Steph Curry a lot of credit. Like, the three-point line is, like, one of the most valuable, you know, aspects of the game right now. And, you know, the teams that we played between Atlanta and Philly so far, like, they rely on the three-point shot heavily. You know what I'm saying? Trey Young, he loves to shoot threes. And when he passed the ball, he's trying to get a quick assist off three-point shooting. So it's just been a testament to Miami's defense just – really locking in, executing their game plan flawlessly and doing what they have to do. And the same thing for Philly, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, not having Embiid, you know, even even with Embiid, like, they still love to shoot threes. Embiid, he shoots a couple threes a game, if, um, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, Tobias likes to shoot threes. Obviously, Danny Green, you know, and other guys, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, you know, he going to settle. So, like, it, it's just been fun to watch, man. I love it. Um, I love that, you know, they're they're embracing the challenge and they're locking in on defense and they're honing in. And that's that's a big part of the game, man, because, like, that's, that's really what the playoffs comes down to. You know what I'm saying? Everybody loves to shoot threes nowadays. And the Heat 
have done a great job of just running teams off that three-point line and making them get hard-earned and contested baskets. And so, again, man, like, we cannot not give enough praise to this Heat defense because they've really been locking in and making teams take tough shots, and that's really what it comes down to. And that's why that stat is honestly not surprising. Like, I, I kind of expected this going into the season that they were going to be, you know, one of the best defensive teams in the league, and they've been showcasing it all season long. So um, it's, it's actually a, a testament to – you know, everybody's, you know, emphasis on defense and just not wanting to get scored on and taking, you know, pride in playing defense. So shout out to the Heat for locking in, man. Exactly. And what's on your mind, Anthony? Well, not to slander Kelly Olenek and his speed again for the second time this podcast, but I remember being so frustrated in the 2020 playoffs and the finals. The Heat, you know, they had a similar defensive scheme. Obviously, you still had a relatively similar roster and the spot was there, of course. And they had a similar style of switch everything type defense. And the thing that really frustrated me was all the threes that Kelly Olenek gave up to Markeith Morris wide open in the corner because he was just too slow to contest. And we got killed from the three-point line. We actually gave up some of the most threes in the league during that playoff run. But now that you have actually five guys on the court that are quick and athletic and smart enough to rotate on defense, that's when you get this kind of lethal, godly, all-time defense that we're seeing from this team. And it just the depth at defense, I've never seen anything like that. You know, I, I'd consider myself a, a basketball historian somewhat just going back and looking at everything. I, I've never seen a team that's, that's this deep. You have a guy like, like, let's say PJ Tucker go out. You have Caleb Martin come in. He's locking down everyone too. Victor Oladipo comes in. I mean, we all seen that play in the first series when Trey Young got, got three picks and he went from PJ to Jimmy to Bam. It just keeps getting worse and worse. So when you have legitimately pretty much every single guy that they throw out there can play defense really other than Tyler at this point. Cause obviously Duncan's not playing much no more. And that's probably because of the defense, but the kind of improvements you had from Struess mid season to improve as a defender. Now almost everybody can play defense and that's when you get these kind of numbers. And that's important because when this team goes on scoring droughts, the other team is not going to go on a run because they're not scoring either. So that's just huge and a lot of credit to Spolstra and just the organization of the, the team as a whole. Right. And Kaylee, you? Um, I agree with every, what everyone's saying. Uh, like, unfortunately, I don't really, like, uh, look at stats during the playoffs because I really just want to, like, enjoy watching, if that makes sense, and not really focus on the numbers. But, like, watching-wise, of watching, like, the defense, watching the offense and how the dynamic has changed, between the Hawks and with the Sixers, you can definitely tell like with the Sixers, like they have to try like hard and then like three times that hard <laughs> to try to even like get close to any sort of clean, uncontested shot. Like every shot is heavily contested. They're like barricaded with different players, like going at them every two seconds. They're like too quick and stuff like that. So it's like, it's really interesting to see um not only the that dynamic between the two teams when it comes to these like really humongous stat differences but how much it debilitates the other team and um for only them to like just kind of like casually like you know have a, an amazing game and then they're like oh like they scored like almost like almost 30 points and they were just kind of vibing it's like it's a really cool thing to see especially in the playoffs Right. And I just respect the fact that you don't really focus on statistics. I know a certain guy who wanted Kevin Love to win six man of the year instead of Tyler Hero, the Mr. Vortmaster 365 from Cleveland or wherever he's from. Yeah, I'm talking about you, John Hollinger. I know you probably wasn't pleased to what KD had to say. But at the end of the day, not everything revolves around stats, like the way how you look at it. So 
know, I'm glad that you brought that up, Kaylee, because at the end of the day, you know, you just simply want to watch the game and see who's got that dog in them. And that's the Heat team. So, you know, we got that. And the guy who's responsible for the Heat Muse stat of the game, Heat Muse, the floor is yours. Yeah, I just want to say shout out to Max Struess as well, because I feel like a big part of that low percentage from the three-point line is, is mostly on Max Struess. Um, Trey Young tried to do it. James Arden is trying to do it. They're trying to get isolations on Max Struess to hit that step back three, to hit that side three, to even get to the paint. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I didn't think Max Struess had it in him. I didn't think he had it in him. He is holding down his own. He he looks bigger out there. He's not, for example, when Duncan was on the court. Duncan's he's weak. He, he he's weak. I mean, he's taller, but he's weaker than Max Struess. So he, you know, he he was getting these calls. He and I feel like the calls were kind of BS, but that's not, you know, that's not my job as a ref. But Max Struess, he's going there, he's ripping the ball. I remember there was a play, James Harden, he called a screen from Bam to Max Struess. I'm pretty sure it was Bam. But it was from Bam to Max Struess. And then he tried to hit uh, a step back, and it was just break. It was short. And, and I feel like the reason why we're holding teams to 29%, which is incredible, knowing that this age of the NBA, you know, everyone's shooting threes at least from 32-plus. Um, I just feel like it's Max Struess. And there's another thing I seen. It was like, you know, James Harden, he's he well, the 76ers, the whole team as a group, not just James Harden, the whole 76ers as a group, they're shooting. I think they shot versus PJ and Bam 30 shots combined. And with and with Max Struess, they shot 38 shots, and only 12 of those went in. So it's it's just, you know, it's it's really Max Struess helping that 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 starting five, you know, not have a weak, a weak uh, he is the weakest defender, but he's he's not no slouch now. So um. Yeah. Shout out Max Truce for that because he brings the offense, and now he's bringing the defense. And I feel like that that starting five is is really nice. So yeah. Right. You know, and it just goes to show, you know, how everyone's playing a great part in Miami's success. You know, it's not just one person stepping up always. You know, and that's the thing for the Heat is that we don't have like a um, one main superstar. You know, we have anyone on this team that can go off at any point during the series, you know, during any game, you know, in the Atlanta series, we saw that game one from Duncan and then Oladipo had his game in game five. Like you never know who's going to have the masterpiece for Miami next. Like if Miami wins game three, we'll see who does end up having that big game. Maybe it will be Struce. Maybe it will be Gabe. You know, we don't know. Or, you know, maybe we'll see uh, Tyler, Bam, Jimmy, you know, we'll find out. Or if Kyle comes back and, you know, I, I want him to be 100%. But if he does end up coming back, maybe he'll have the big game. You know, anyone on this team is capable for those type of moments. But, you know, that's basically all there is to that. And it's a great thing that we move on to game three now because there's so much for the Heat coming into this game because, as we know, the Heat are up two games to nothing to Philly. So this is basically an elimination game for Philly since no, no team has come back from a 3 nothing deficit, meaning that if they do end up losing this upcoming game, they are out. So with the series shifting to Philadelphia, What's everyone's expectations for this third game? Uh, kick us off, Kaylee. I think it's going to be really interesting because it might be a similar repeat for the Philly uh, game that was against the Raptors in round one of them being like, 
booed off their own court and uh just kind of like a shameful like hanging of heads if that makes sense of just kind of like damn like we really like messed up here kind of mentality um because it's not only like embarrassing to just like be at a loss and also like not have the energy but also have your fans like not support you a hundred percent it's probably gonna suck so I think it's gonna be a repeat of that because I know for sure like with the way things are going I don't think there's really gonna be a significant change especially without Embiid um and I'm also just really interested to see if we hear like a uh, heat chance in that arena because I know that it's gonna be like probably semi-rare but I'm actually kind of curious if it'll be loud or not so i'm excited to hear that you know that's a great point you brought up like if i hear let's go heat chance and he are like blowing out philly you know that will literally make my day because honestly for all that smack they talked once jimmy signed with miami a couple years back you know, it would just be so fulfilling to watch a game that will basically seal the deal you know for the season of philly like what else could you ask for? That would literally be the cherry on top. So I pray to God that if we do end up winning this game, that we hear those let's go heat chants. I, I just want it so bad right now. And it's thanks to you, Kaylee. Like, you should not put that in my mind because now I'm, like, thinking about it and I'm literally praying for it now once this pot ends. Um, let's see. Uh, Anthony, how about you? You really going to ask me for my game three preview, Joel? Come on, man. <laughs> we, we, we already know Joel Embiid is still out, but... Even if he comes back, there's only one Joel I respect in this series, and his name is Joel Jacob. We know hey. that this team, we know that that team is just not on the same level as us. We dominated, we dominated them in the second half of game one, dominated them in the second half of game two. And I actually, I actually have Doc Rivers' phone number. I spoke with him after game two and asked, you know, how they got dominated again. And this is actually what he had to say. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna say the same thing after game three when we leave him hoodwinked bamboozled let astray run amok and whatever else Stephen a smith said and then he's probably gonna get fired and go to the lakers and then get fired in like another two years so please go I to LA. Uh, doc if you're listening to this please go to la if you end up getting fired i would really love that uh let's see uh heat muse you <laughs> hey i just um you guys took it out of my mouth because actually I wanted to talk about that real quick about the whole attendance thing because I feel like Philly, we're going to start hearing let's go heat chance. And, and and Philly, look, they got nothing to talk about. So what are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about the fan attendance, how how the first quarter it looks like no one's in the games. But they don't know. They, they don't know how the arena is set up. They don't know about this Miami traffic. They don't know that mostly South, South Florida is just a bunch of Hispanics, Blacks, Hello. Caribbeans. And and they don't know that we like to be fashionably late. We just like to be late. We like to go to stuff late because we think we're the prince. And I don't know what it is. It's in every type of 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 of. They, it, it, anyways, it's it's in every type of family like that. So I just I just really want us to beat them up. I re, I my prediction is it's gonna be the same thing that's happened. Game one, game two, they're gonna look good the first half, especially at home. They might look a little better, and then the second half we're gonna lock up. We gonna suppose Udonis has is gonna yell at them. He's gonna start throwing chairs. He's gonna start doing what he does. We gonna lock up. We are gonna tie it up, and then we are gonna blow them out. We gonna start here and let's go heat chance. And I really want to see what the Philly media has to say when they start hearing let's go heat in Philadelphia. And that's my that's my take because that's really been you know pissing me off. Exactly. So, yeah. 
Like, we got top five attendance. Like, literally, put some respect on Heat fans' names. Like, honestly. Like, is the series that bad for you guys that you need to bring up attendance? Like, you couldn't find anything worse to bring up. Like, literally anything. And then you got fans talking about, oh, you know what? They got Struess and Vincent starting for them. Like, you know what? Y'all are here insulting our players. Well, guess what? Those same players that didn't get drafted, that we didn't tank for five years for or whatever, those players are whooping y'all right now. So before you guys come after our guys and talk about our attendance, focus on getting y'all act together. Because right now, y'all ain't looking too good. And especially the fact that you got not only the Sixers fans that have been hating on Miami since day one, but you also got the fact that you got the clowns who out here talking about James Harden this, James Harden that. Oh, he's better than Dwayne Wade. Well, listen, we ain't never believed that. But one thing I will say is that if this guy was allegedly better than D-Wade, then where has he been this series? Because he's out here relying on Tyrese friggin' Maxi to carry him to the promised land. And that ain't going to work. A guy that's supposed to be better than D-Wade is supposed to pull up and do his thing, but we ain't seen that. Instead, he's out here getting clamped by Max Drews. Okay, where is he? Because I ain't seen him. I just seen some guy who looked like him wearing his jersey on that court. So I want to know. Yeah, that's, that's Brick Ross. That's Brick Ross out there. Yeah, yeah. We got two Rick Rosses out there. That must have been, you know what, James Harden and Rick Ross, I got a theory. They must have switched places because we saw Rick Ross was at the game. That probably must have been James Harden. That's probably why he was so happy when he got the ball, got the rebound. Because he knows as long as those goons from Miami is out there and doing their thing, he ain't going to get no boards or any of that. So that's all I got to say about that. You know, I'm going to keep the rant for when this series does come to an end. And uh, let's see, Kevin, like, what's on your mind, bro? Yeah, so for game three, um, I think we're going to need a Jimmy Butler game. Um, Honestly, because, like, for us to advance in each round, we're going to need one, like, major Jimmy Butler performance and you know obviously we got that in game one versus Atlanta where he had like what 45 um and I think in this game like on the road like you're not going to have home court advantage obviously you know you're not going to get that friendly bounce and so like sometimes like your shooters even though we do have shooters no doubt about them I'm not questioning our ability to shoot the ball but sometimes you know we go in these scoring droughts and we're going to need Jimmy to pick it up and especially because this is his former team you know where he used to play at first season we need him to go off. And I do think his knee has kind of been slowing him down. Like, I honestly don't think Jimmy Butler is 100%. But if he can just give us one game where he goes off for, like, 30 or close to that, I think this would be the perfect opportunity to do so. Because if you go up three games to none, I think you shoot all the confidence out of Philadelphia. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm hoping that's the case for game three. And I honestly think that's going to be the case. I think Jimmy's going to step up um, and do what he has to do. And I think he's going to take us to the promised land in this game three and, you know, again, shoot all the confidence out of Philly. So I'm hoping that's the case. Um, they're definitely going to come out, play confident. They're more than likely going to come out and go on the first scoring run of the game. You know, that happens when teams are at home. They play with a different energy and a different juice and a different bounce of their step. So hoping we can just, you know, outlast them, you know, and just be the better team because we clearly are, especially without Embiid. I think we're the better team regardless with or without Embiid, but especially without him, you know, you got to make them pay for that. So. Um, we need a vintage Jimmy Butler performance. I think this would be the perfect opportunity to do so. That's what, exactly what I'm expecting in game three. Right. You know, and honestly, one more thing, and I know, Anthony, you want to add, but before I pass the mic to you, I just got to say, Philly fans, feel free to boo whoever on the court. Because I know there's this public enemy thing where 
you boo one specific player for the team, boo everyone, honestly, because you know what? We don't know which which player on this team is going to take off, and I love it. Like, if y'all want to boo Max Bruce, Gabe Vincent, or the main guys like Jimmy, Bam, Tyler, like, go ahead and do it. Boo the whole team if you want. Whenever they pass the ball, you just hear boos. Go ahead and do it, because it's going to make tomorrow night even more satisfying if we do get this W. And, Anthony, what about you? What you want to add? Real quick, Joel, I just want to say I love your rant, but don't disrespect Rick Ross. He's not as fat as James Harden, okay? My God. <laughs> Man, like, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that conspiracy theory might not be too off, you feel me? So it's just something to think about. But but anyways, we talked so much on today's episode that before we close it out, Make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HBTW Podcast while checking out our website at hbtwpodcast.wordpress.com. That way you still have access to 24-7 Miami Heat content, even when we're not recording a new episode. Also, we hope you guys love today's episode because we'll be recording a new pod after every playoff victory for the Heat, meaning that if God is willing, we'll have at least 10 more episodes to record before we officially close out season two of Heat versus the World. And with that all being said, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. Hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.